Welcome to the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, where we discuss the Attleboro Public Schools in greater depth. Uh, with me today is uh, Assistant Superintendent Lori Regan and Assistant Principal for Curriculum and Supervision uh, is Mr. Kevin Gorman. And they are here to talk to us about, or talk to me about, uh, the remote learning that the district is engaged in during disclosure due to the coronavirus. Uh, Lori, Kevin, welcome. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Uh, doing as well as we can. Uh, Lori, Kevin, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, uh, how you got to your, your current roles in the Attleboro Public Schools. Lori, why don't you go first? Sure. Um, so, uh, I was born and raised in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, um, hopped over the border to Attleboro to start my teaching career. But um, I did wanna share that I do have some deep Attleboro roots. Both my mother and grandmother gra graduated from Attleboro High School, my grandmother in 1938 and wow. my mother in uh, 1966. Wow. So I do have uh, fond memories of my grandmother talking about her first days of school in a one-room schoolhouse on Parker Street. So, um, and that's exactly where the homestead is. So uh, I have some nice memories of being in Attleboro and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to continue to create memories for some of our own students here. So I um, started my career in Attleboro in 1997. I was a long-term substitute teacher uh, in the basement of Finberg School. Um, quickly realized in working with some of my students that what I needed to do was um, really learn how to teach them how to read. And so I went back to school to get my master's in reading. And then from there um, became a reading specialist, really enjoyed that work, working with students and helping them learn how to read, uh, became a literacy coach and then curriculum coordinator, and then now in my current role as assistant superintendent. But um, I do enjoy focusing on curriculum and instruction and um, you know, being able to support students in their learning in all different learning styles, all different modalities. And so that's, that's the work that I enjoy. So an Attleboro life or Attleboro Public Schools life or uh, your whole career with us, right? Yes, absolutely. I don't know anything different. Yeah, well, you and me both. And I think uh, Kevin has a similar story. Yeah, same with me. It's, uh, it's uh, all three of us for sure. Um, I spent my whole professional career at, in Attleboro Public Schools, and I'm proud to be able to say that. Um, just to back up a little bit, I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, I'm a product of Brockton Public Schools. I went to the Hancock Elementary, then West Junior High, and then ultimately Brockton High School. And... Um, I had a great experience there. I felt like I really got a great education and um, I don't think I really realized it at the time, but upon reflection, I really feel like that's when I became a believer in public education. And that was something that um, I wanted to dedicate myself to. And it wasn't until um, probably about my senior year at college when I was at, over at Stonehill College that I decided that I wanted to become an educator. Um, so I went ahead and pursued that path. And I still remember when I was, it was what, May of, May and June of 2000, when I started looking for jobs and 
Um, I sent my resume out to Attleboro uh, High School and I was interviewed by Kathy Hebert. Uh, she was the English department head at that time. And after that interview, I said to myself, I need to work for this woman. This woman's amazing. I'm going to learn so much from her. Exceptional she was, um, and she just um, really helped mold me in my very uh, formative years as a young teacher. And I'm still thankful for that experience. And um, all of the, all of the, um, my mentors, both formal and informal over the years, uh, especially in the English department, but even some of the people you ate lunch with over the years, and you learn all these instructional tricks, whether it's you're teaching math or social studies or science, and it's applicable to um, a lot of different experiences. So I was an uh, English teacher for the uh, first several years of my career, and then um, over time I became the English department head for the English language arts, and I spent about 14 years in that position. And then um, most recently, about three years ago, I was fortunate enough to be promoted to the assistant principal role at Attleboro High School, and that's, and that's my current position now, and I'm uh, just really honored to be able to serve in that role for, for the high school and the district. Well, I can uh, assure our listeners that the Attleboro Public Schools are very lucky to have both of you. And I do find it interesting that uh, the, the three of us as uh, career-long uh, Attleboro Public Schools employees do have that common background of, of growing up um, in a small city setting, whether it be Pawtucket or Brockton or Worcester. Um, you know, those, those experiences must have had an impact because uh, it, it does seem to feel like a part of uh, why uh, Attleboro feels like such a good fit for the three of us. Uh, but to get to the, 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 the topic of today, um, you know, we are grappling with, you know, uh, just unprecedented circumstances, right? Uh, nothing um, in anyone's, you know, uh, realm of experience has prepared us to deal with uh, the school closures, um, that have been necessitated by uh, this, the outbreak of, of the coronavirus. Um, and, you know, I, I think I wanna just pause here and just say that um, whether we're talking about the, the de dedication of the educators uh, who, you know, it is our pleasure to, to lead um, and the families that it is our pleasure to serve, uh, everyone is, is really, really uh, putting in an exceptional effort to do their best to make this work and providing a lot of patience, um, because I think people really do appreciate that uh, we are not really set up to be successful as an organization in under these circumstances. And um, you know, we are doing our best to figure out how to make it work and to do right by kids as best we can. Um, but you know, there's a lot. There's a pretty steep learning curve here, and some real significant obstacles to. Uh, you know, doing things with the way we would want to do them if we could design a system like this from the ground up. Um, so I, I, I just want to uh, thank everyone for uh, how uh, patient they're being and um, how hard everyone's trying to, to, to make this work. Um, I should also point out that, um, you know, as a, as a school system, you know, we're pretty committed to the idea of education being important. Um, but, you know, we've always acknowledged that, uh, safety is a precondition to learning that, you know, unless people are safe and healthy, you can't teach them. And so while this has been um, a significant challenge to our mission to educate children under these, uh, under, under, in this context, um, we do agree and believe that 
uh, we have to take the proper steps to make sure that we as a community are safe. And um, that doesn't just mean our students, but you know, to not pr provide a, a place where um, the outbreak outbreak could spread through the schools is you know part of our our, our uh, commitment to the community as a whole, and uh, we support that and uh, are doing our best to do our part. So <clears throat> I just wanted to review a little bit about how we've gotten to where we are now. Um, you know, the, the whole episode started um, with the state calling uh, a state of emergency, and then we had um, a local uh, incident with someone being put into quarantine. Um, and the timing all of all that led us to decide to close school for a week. And we made that decision in the morning on a Friday and had a couple of hours uh, to scramble and do our best. In that moment, we said, you know, we're going to close school for a week, but just to be safe, we're going to send home two weeks worth of work as best we can. Um, you guys want to chime in on uh, how crazy that day was? So I think it was a, a crazy couple days. We, we were anticipating that we would possibly be closed and thought that we would have some more time to actually plan for the closure and be able to prepare teachers and students and send, you know, some things home that we had planned for. However, overnight that changed and quickly the next morning we realized that we needed to get the message out to teachers right away first thing in the morning and let them know that at the end of that day two weeks of work needed to be sent home with their students to, in preparation for the closure it was it was quite a day it was no i agree i remember uh laurie that earlier that week in the lead up to the closure we were talking about the coronavirus and how it was seemed to be spreading and you know what we should start preparing for this but it seems far enough away that we have another about another week or two right at that point we we're talking about oh end of march is when this could really start to affect us and then it just it happened so quickly and um two days later we were having meetings like this we got to start preparing for it happening in closing schools for the next week, never mind at the end of the month. And um, I'm just like really proud to say how the teachers and the whole district together really rallied in that moment. And um, I know of us spent um, a lot of uh, really late night that Thursday before the Friday because we kind of saw um, the writing on the wall and um, to put together at that point, we were just thinking about enrichment activities and um, then putting everything in place to um, deliver those activities to the kids on, on Friday. It was just a real um, team effort. And it was, um, you know, we did the best we could under a very uh, short time crunch. I think one of the real um, interesting um, things about the whole process of the school closure, um, just the, um, the accelerated timeline that everybody has been on, right? When you would normally have months to work on something, you have days. And when you normally have days to work on something, you have hours and then hours become minutes. And um, it's just, again, really good to see how everybody has uh, stepped up in a, in a very um, stressful environment. Yeah, you guys really remind me of how the, the pace of the change picked up that week. I remember at starting that week thinking that we still might make it to April um, before we have to face a closure. 
And then sometime during that week, I had a meeting at Sturdy with some officials there. And I remember coming back from that and saying, oh no, I'm not sure we have that much time. And then literally like a day later, we, we found ourselves in that situation where we felt like we had to, to close. And at that point, it wasn't so much that we were worried um, that we were going to be facing an outbreak in the school. Um, although in retrospect, I think we should have been more worried about that. It seems like the, the, the disease was out in the community and spreading more than people realized. In that moment, it was more about things are changing so fast that we can't process this information quick enough that we just need to take a week off to buy ourselves some time to like figure out what's happening and get our bearings. Um, and, you know, as it turns out, you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, had, we had a lot more time than that to, 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 to work through. Because that, you know, that was that Friday, the 13th. And then that Sunday is when um, the governor closed school for three weeks. And um, at that point, I think it's important to remind everybody that this very strong message from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, which is the, um, you know, state uh, department that we respond to that sets the regulations that we have to follow. Um, you know, they made it very clear that we weren't to provide learning services during the closure and that we needed to just provide enrichment activities. Uh, we'd sort of uh, seen that coming and, and that's what we had, had been thinking about as we sent stuff home that time, that day. Um, so we began to work on, well, all right, well, what is, we, you know, we sent home theoretically two weeks worth of work and we had, we're out for three. So we need to start thinking about um, that third week um, but then um, I forget exactly how far into it, but you know the state changed direction again and, and closed straight through to to May, um, and it was around at that same time that we um, realized that you know we were not going to be able to maintain the enrichment approach. We wanted to teach kids; our teachers wanted to teach kids, and we were holding them back because the state was telling us to. But then you know Desi re released guidance. Uh, the change direction. And I think we really welcome that. But the problem was, is that as a school system, we don't have any systems in place to make that work, right? Like a school is organized around the space of the school. And so to do that um, virtually was a, was a whole set of challenges. And so we had to spend a little bit of time, um, you know, building those systems in place. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd just like to say, you know, I think as we were doing it, it was totally you got the feeling, you know, uh, borrow the familiar metaphor that you want, building a ship in the middle of the ocean, uh, putting together an airplane um, while you're falling from the sky. We were really doing our best to kind of process all the, you know, ever evolving information we were getting um, from, from the state and then contextualizing it in a way that made sense for our, for our school community. Yeah, a real challenge. And we wanted to make sure that we were being responsive to our students' needs and our families' needs and um, recognizing that the traditional classroom setting was gone and that we were transitioning to having students learn from home, which we knew was going to be a big undertaking as well. Yeah, no, I remember, uh, Dave, sorry if I'm uh, uh, jumping in on you here, but no, no, just like thinking about like our um, progression, right? That Friday, as soon as we knew the decision, our priority, and I'm really proud of the district for this, it became like, how can we make sure our families are being fed, right? 
and we like over the weekend put together a lunch program to help those families that were food insecure and that was a really main focus for that first week and then the second week it was about okay how can we help kids that might not have access to technology right and we went into our schools and we got you know hundreds of chromebooks to give out to families who needed them and so like every week there seems to be like a major undertaking a major progression it was from the lunches to the chromebooks to the enrichment to now this new remote learning environment we were introducing like new materials and then you know there's gonna be things coming down the line like how do we assess these types of um experiences that kids are having how can we give kids meaningful feedback how can we uh, provide them the supports that they need as we learn more about uh, navigating uh, teaching and learning in this brand new environment which we had really little preparation uh, for from from all stakeholders parents students families um, teachers paraprofessionals um, everybody yeah no I, I think that the idea that there was a lot all swirling at once and the fact that we've honed in on the most proximate problem and you know tried to just take this one week at a time has served us pretty well. So Kevin, you talked about how, and this is sort of where we've landed, right? We're, so now we're in a situation where we know we're going to do our best uh, to provide remote learning um, through the closure for however long that lasts. And at this time, you know, it's supposed to be uh, through May 4th, but I think a lot of people uh, suspect that perhaps it'll get extended. Uh, you know, we'll certainly prepare for either outcome. Um, but you know, the, the point here is that the order of the day is to provide remote learning. Um, I, I'd like to hear your perspectives, you, uh, Laura, you, you and Kevin, um, you know, what, what do we mean by remote learning? What is that? Uh, why is that the term? And, uh, you know, I just start by saying, I, I think we're all in agreement that, um, while, you know, we're doing our best to educate kids, uh, in this context, you know, this, this is no replacement for what we would have been able to do under normal circumstances. No, no. no not at all. Um, so remote learning, as, as we see it, is, you know, it's a learning opportunity for our students that, and where they're supported by an educator, um, just in a different location. Very different from distance learning, which is mostly online, where they have, you know, a, a, a true connection through online communication most of the time. And so with remote learning, we're looking at a variety of activities, you know, with time being flexible because students do not have to be participating in uh, virtual activities at particular parts of the day. Um, they could do it at any time that suits them. Um, but some of the activities also include um, participating in remote uh, video conferences, uh, having guest readers come in and speak to them, having a book read aloud to them, um, you know, listening to a short video with a short lesson on it, either from their classroom teacher or a specialist, and then, you know, taking some of the information from that lesson that they, they've heard and then using it in a way for their own writing or their own ability to prob problem solve through that. And so um, I think one of the big things that we've realized with you know, remote learning, the first thing that we needed to make sure that we were doing is engaging everyone. That was, that was the big piece, right? We wanted to make sure that all of our students had access to everything that we were providing at home. And so, you know, as our mission says, right, our, 
our mission is to engage, challenge, and inspire all students. And that's the foundation of our work. And so engagement was very important to us. Um, I think the next piece of this was equity. We were making sure, and as Kevin already noted, we gave out Chromebooks in, you know, in the second week of our closure. We realized right away that our students needed the technology in order to be able to access that. And that still continues. We know that there are students that still need devices and um, we're, we're doing our best to be able to support that, but we also are trying to support families who need internet access. You know, giving them specific information about the hotspots that are available throughout the city, as well as the free service that's provided by Comcast and maybe other providers. And so we definitely are taking all of those things into consideration. Um, you know, and finally, we know that our students, this is about learning, right? It's not about assignments, it's about learning. And so the opportunity for our students and teachers to interact with each other, um, for teachers to comment on students' work and provide feedback, targeted feedback about what they're doing that helps the students to be able to improve their work but then also it helps the teacher to know what the next type of instruction they need in order to move them along in their learning progression so you know there's a, a lot of pieces to this remote learning plan and um, we're, we're trying our best we we knew right out of the gate that this plan or this system wasn't perfect we we knew that and so you know we're lucky because we've continued to receive a lot of um you know both positive and um feedback that's showing us where we need to improve and so i think that we're taking all of that into consideration right now and trying to make adjustments as we go but um you know, we, we still have a lot of work to do, but our students are at the forefront of um, making those changes. Yeah, I think, Laura, you covered so much of it. Um, I'll add on what little that I can. And I think you're right. In this remote learning environment, we kind of um, took out a, a three-pronged approach in terms of how can we engage students, how can we create equitable experiences for them, all the while planning for our return. Um, so in doing so, oh, sorry about that, guys. There's a little bit of background noise here. This is a remote podcast. I am at home with three little ones. So I guess this is a, a very real experience. I would love to mute myself or my kids right now, but I don't yeah, think that's them. Yeah, <laughs> easier said than done, Dave. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, just to... Um, so we've been working a lot, right, about how being flexible um, in, in creating a remote learning experience while also providing a little bit of structure because we found that the community was craving some structure. So, um, you know, creating a plan where at the high school level anyways, you know that um, this class would be have this time slot available for um, teachers to engage with students, but even better yet, students to engage with each other, right? I think this is a big part of it. Um, I, I know we talked a lot, a lot about at um, DLT how um, humans are social animals, right? And I think there's a real craving for social interaction, albeit remotely, and that's yet another way um, that we can, can help and provide um, that type of engagement through communication. And I think we've been really mindful of not to just um, kind of encourage passive communication, but communication that would require some type of response from students and families to um, 
make it more of a, a two-way communication. In terms of equity, we've really been trying to operate under the uh, premise when we're creating learning opportunities for kids, um, kind of just really asking ourselves the question, like, how do we make this work as inclusive as possible, right? How do we um, make the umbrella as wide as we can? And um, I think as a result, a big part of remote learning has been with the less is more approach, right? Let's focus on the essentials. Let's focus on the learning more so than like the work, right? There's a little bit of a difference between like asking kids to do work and making sure that they've learned it. And, um, you know, and that's tough because in a traditional environment, you have a really good sense of how every student is doing. You're seeing them every day, you're interacting with them, you're reading the room, so to speak, a lot more challenging in a, in a remote learning environment. But, you know, we are really learning as we go and making those adjustments like Lori mentioned. And um, I'm, again, I think we're off to a pretty good start, all things considered. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, it's a challenge and I'm, I'm pretty proud of the kinds of things I'm seeing um, be produced in this environment. Now, you guys talked, I think, I think they did a great job about, you know, explaining the concept of remote learning. But logistically, you know, how does this work for families? Uh, how do they get a, a, their remote learning plan? When does it come? You know, how, how does it come to them? Um, you know, what's the, the, the sort of, uh, how does the system around it work? Um, so um, K-8, the um, remote learning plans each week are either emailed to the families by their classroom teacher or by the principal. Um, if you're emailed by the classroom teacher, a lot of times a personal message will be sent along with the remote learning plan, just checking in with the students to see how they're doing. Um, and then all of the plans are also posted on our website under the um, COVID-19 tab. And so under that website, under that tab, actually, you'll be able to see, uh, you know, a variety of resources that we've um, placed there for, for everyone to access. And, you know, specifically the remote learning plans are there. You can click on week four. That's the first week that we started to um, implement the remote learning plan. And each school will have a folder and then within each folder you'll be able to see the grade levels that are within there. Um, another piece that I did want to share with you about the remote learning plan connected to the devices and the website is that we have a, a space where if you have um, issues or if you have concerns with your Attleboro Public Schools issued device or if you just have questions about particular software that you're using at home um, there is a tab in there where you can click on a form and you can ask for help and someone will be able to respond to you. But uh, in a nutshell, we try to email those replans home weekly and make them available to everyone on our website. Yeah, I think just to emphasize um, what Laurie already mentioned, just how we're offering multiple points of access uh, to the learning templates for um, students and families, right? Not only up on a website, uh, where it might be one-stop shopping. So if you have um, more than one child in the district at different levels, you can go to that website and find a lot of um, other information there that you would need. But also um, teachers and teams are emailing the, um, the weekly learning templates to the families directly. So um, I think just um, allowing for multiple um, 
ways to communicate those plans helps ensure that um, the, the full community is getting them based on um, their preferred, preferred method of uh, checking in on them. So as three parents, I think we can all speak uh, <laughs> pretty specifically to how challenging it is um, to be, uh, you know, at home uh, with, with our children um, who don't have their normal outlets, right? There's no sports. They can't go play with friends. Um, I mean, it, it's so dire at my house. My, my children are getting bored with video games. Um, you know, it, it's a stressful environment that we're all sort of trapped here together with ourselves. And then you add to that that, you know, they're trying to uh, meet the expectations of their teachers and we're trying to support them. But at the same time, we have our own uh, work to do. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, and I, again, I, I think we all are, are having our own personal experiences of that. So it's not hard for us to understand that many of our families are struggling with this. Um, could you guys talk a little bit about what kind of supports that we've offered to, to, to try to help them and uh, any advice you have on uh, you know, the, the, the overall approach to all of this? Because you know, just like we're making it up as we go, I, I know that a lot of families are, are having to you know, um, invent new ways of handling uh, a very unfamiliar situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's just as challenging in, in the Regan household as it is in the Sawyer household, I'm sure. Um, you know, trying to get my seventh grader up out of bed before 10 o'clock seems to be my biggest challenge of the day these days. So, um, you know, we, we made it before 10 today, so that was good. Um, but, uh, you know, with that said, I, I think students, families are used to a routine, right? Everyone likes to live in a, a level of comfort. They know what the expectation is when you get up in the morning, you go to work or your kids get ready for school or they have practice after school. And so everyone is so conditioned to work within that type of an environment. And so now there's nothing. And so I think one of the big things that helped us, although we're not perfect at it, and there are days when it doesn't happen too, is to create some sort of a schedule or routine for your family um, that does help. Um, it's not the not the solution, but it does help with everything that's going on in the home. Um, you know, and I, I do think that having time for you to communicate and to talk to your kids about actually what they're learning and what the expectation is, is if you can, um, if you're able to carve out some time for that, that always helps because I think that if they get the chance to talk about it, then maybe some of their questions will surface or if they need something clarified or if they need something, um, if they need help with anything that they're trying to learn themselves, then there's always that opportunity too. Yeah, absolutely. There's no playbook for this, right? I don't think this is in any of the parenting handbooks. Um, and I'm certainly knowing that, uh, knowing that with, uh, with, my, with my kids, but um, no, I would just, like to add, you know, we're kind of all in this together and, you know, let's give each other all a little bit of slack. It's, you don't have to be the perfect parent in this moment. Um, and that's okay. And you don't have to have the perfect child in this moment and that's okay too. And, um, but, but, you know, just if, if there are questions or concerns, like we have support staff, uh, in the district that you can reach out to and, 
I know um, at the high school level, if you have a question on an assignment or you're not understanding or contextualizing what's being asked of, of um, you or your child, send an email, um, give us a call, um, and we'll do the best we can to help you through it, even if it's not an academic situation, you know. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are experiencing, we've never experienced this before, so, and um, I think that um, not only are we an academic institution, but we are, you know, um, an institution that's here to help people, right? That is um, kind of part of our work, so um, I would just say reach out, and, and we'll we'll help the best we can. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to echo, oh, sorry, Larry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I'd like to echo um, the same sentiment about, um, you know, our all of our adjustment counselors, our school psychologists, um, all of our teachers, our paraprofessionals, all our entire staff at APS is ready and willing to support. And I, you know, I'm grateful that more more often than not, people will reach out and say, I just want to help. What what can I do to help? You know, give me something to do. And I, I still think about the week or those two days when we were handing out Chromebooks. There were so many people that really wanted to help, people that were delivering them to the homes. Um, so we have people that are ready and willing to help. We just we just need to know who you are. So reach out to us and let us know. Yeah, I, I think that um, parents should know and feel comfortable to to um, you know be empowered to, to to do what they think is right for their families. You know we understand that uh, you know unlike school where we design it to be um, as equitable as possible, uh, we're all facing very very individualized situations in our homes, and so you know everyone can only do their best. And it's the same thing we're telling the teachers: do your best. You know that's all you can do. I would say to families, do your best. And if you have to say, you know what, this is overwhelming, we have to cut back on what we're doing, then that's what you should do. Um, you know, I, there's, there's no reason to add to the anxiety, feeling pressured um, to, to, to meet some sort of expectation. All, all we can ask is that everyone try. And um, under these circumstances, uh, that's gonna be okay with us. And uh, we hope that uh, that's okay with you as well. And I would also like to, to say what has already been said. If you have, if you need help, ask. You know, if you, have, if you have problems understanding what's been assigned, you know, reach out to the teacher. If you need other help, you should, you know, reach out and get help. And if you're not sure who to ask, you can always ask the principal, right? The, the, the principal is always going to be there to point you in the right direction and help you to figure out uh, who, can, who can help you with your problems. So I just really encourage uh, anyone who uh, needs assistance, both academically or otherwise, to reach out to us and we will do what we can. Um, that being said, you know, we know we're not perfect. We know that uh, we, we need to do a better job. Um, you know, this is challenging and so we're making up as we go and we're trying to learn from it and get better with each time. So we are looking for feedback and that's why we're, we're putting together a survey uh, that we'll be sending out and uh, soliciting uh, feedback from our families. And we really encourage everyone to, to help us out by letting us know, uh, you know more about how your experience is going and uh, let us know what we can do to do better. Laura, you wanna add anything to that? Yeah, sure. We'll be sending out a survey at the beginning of next week. Um, and we would love to hear your feedback. We wanna make sure that, you know, if there are ways that we can improve upon as far as our communication is concerned, if there are ways that we can improve our delivery of remote learning plans, um, 
we, we just, we want to know how we can improve to better serve you, um, our students and our families of the Attleboro schools. All right, well, um, I, th I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, Lori, Kevin, anything you wanna uh, finish up with? I just wanna thank all of our um, staff and all of our families who are, you know, who are working together. This is, this is our community. We're gonna get through this together. And so I just appreciate everything that everyone's doing so far. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to say the same thing. Special uh, shout out to all the teachers and all the other staff and employees of Attleboro Public Schools and the community at large for their support. You know, I think through these times, we're really showing that like Blue Pride is still alive, even in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, I have to say uh, it's it's really been touching how much um, support we've received, how many good you know well wishes we've received. Uh, I th I think people really pulled together. I'm um, in a way that is admirable. Um, and again, giving, I, I think a lot of people are on their absolute best behavior and it's, it's, it's been a, a, a pleasure to work through this and see everyone, you know, really trying uh, to make a very, very difficult situation work best uh, for the people we serve. So um, it, uh, it just reminds me of how, how lucky I am um, to, to work in such a fantastic place. So uh, with that, I want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in to this uh, episode of the Soup to Nuts podcast and uh, hope we'll uh, get you to listen again next time. Thank you.